here in the heart of the jungle, we find one of the most interesting creatures of its kind. Amazon PPC Advertising. Buried deep amongst the undergrowth with its campaigns and targeting, lay hazards like keywords without conversions, unprofitable ad spend, and a mountain of ever-evolving complexity. But if you look beyond the obstacles of life here, there is hope and opportunity. We will journey to every corner of Amazon ads to explore and share the greatest treasures the jungle has to offer. This is the Amazon PPC Den Podcast. What's going on, Badger Nation? It is Michael here, and I am stoked to have you here. Welcome to the world's first and longest-running podcast for your source for all the tips, tricks, and optimization strategies you need to get the most out of your Amazon ads. You can find all of our episodes, show notes, and more at adbadger.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts today. And for the next several episodes, I am incredibly excited to have as our guest co-host for the next few episodes, Stephen Pope from MyAmazonGuy.com. Stephen, I feel as if we, in some ways, are cut from the same cloth. When I first met you and started talking to you, I knew that you were one of the good ones, one of the technical, one of the people that love the technique, the strategy behind the Amazon marketing machine, and also love sharing it with people. So I think, dear listener, if you like listening to me, then you will love listening to me and Stephen. No, I'm kidding. You will also love listening to Stephen. Uh, so Stephen, it's great to have you here. Um, you are the founder of MyAmazonGuy.com, uh, which is a monstrous agency, if I understand, where you do exceptional work. Is that correct? Yeah. Hey, Badger Nation. How are you guys all doing? Uh, so, so yeah, we're a 160 person, uh, not person, 160 plus client agency, probably be that size next year. We'll see how things go. Um, 30 person agency at the moment. And uh, we've had a lot of growth, been riding the, the e-com wave this past year, and we're excited to double down on that. So thanks for having me on. That's awesome. And how did you get into, I always think it's interesting, you know, anytime we're welcoming a new guest co-host to let people know a little bit about your origin story. How is it that you started your agency? Uh, tell me more about your, just your whole origin story. So I, I am a, a person who loves all things intellectual. Um, so I, throughout high school and college, how I made income growing up was teaching chess lessons. And uh, I got my first entrepreneurial chops doing that. One day I came across a guy that sold um, chess sets wholesale and I started picking those up and then starting to sell those to my students. I taught in you know, more than 200 elementary schools in the Utah area. Um, some, of those, some of those kids are coming of age now and I'm starting to hear from them, it's cool. So, hey, I saw, mm-hmm. saw you Steven at my, my elementary school back in the day. Uh, so that that was fun. I, I really enjoyed that. And then when Netflix came out with Queen's Gambit, I got to relive it all again. It was fun. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did play uh, play on the national circuit, um, played in the U.S. Open um, back in 2008. It was lots of fun, 2005, I think, actually. 
Um, so uh, the reason I mentioned the chess uh, and the intellectual stuff is because um, so I did I did college debates. I was a collegiate debater. All of these skills uh, led me down a, a path and a career uh, to become a television reporter. And when I when I was a communicator, I was somebody who was presenting and conversing and, and talking and asking the right questions and trying to think ahead. Um, so I, I started out as a TV reporter. And for those that don't know, uh, that is a dying industry. <laughs> Complete opposite of selling on Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I did that for a couple of years, loved being a television reporter. Um, I'm going to send you a, a link to my, my clip where I'm uh, where I talk a little bit about my reporter days, you can put that in the show notes. Uh, and and basically, as a TV reporter, I, I loved being a reporter and asking the tough questions. But uh, one day, I was in the middle of a Wisconsin blizzard, worst they'd seen in a decade, and everybody was at home at ten o'clock at night uh, in their pajamas. And I was literally with my hair frozen over, <laughs> missed my cue to go on the air, and looked like an idiot felt like an idiot and just like, I, I, I need to change things up. So I went back to school, picked up an MBA and I broke into marketing. So I did a bunch of corporate marketing work before I started the, my Amazon guy agency and learned how to run a P and L sold everything from women's plus size clothing to kitchen equipment and fridges and even, uh, gold and silver coins. And so I know we're gonna be talking a lot about search engine optimization today and SEO work. So I will, I'll put this on the line. If anybody wants to know if I'm a qualified SEO, you can do so publicly. Go to your, any favorite SEO tool that's for websites, SEMrush, Ahrefs, doesn't matter what it is. Type in appmex.com. You can guess my hire date at this company. It's that obvious. I increased their SEO traffic by, uh, by 10 million unique visitors annually. And I did it in less than one year. So uh, I, I, I then kind of figured out this Amazon thing, and, and then that journey led us down to um, side hustle consulting while I'm working at these corporations. And all of a sudden, it just got out of hand. Amazon demand was so high. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop making millions of dollars for everybody else, and I'm going to go into business for myself. I'm the aspirational passive income, here we come, Amazon guy, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, that was a giant lie. Uh, Amazon is not passive income, and running an agency is like running an HR uh, daycare at times. <laughs> but uh, uh, in any case, it's been great. I'm super excited. I've built my agency to hold. I'm never going to sell it, and I'm here to add value to the Ad Badger um, audience as we talk about SEO today. Dude, what an amazing, amazing story. I think it's so clear the... Um, way that the fluency that you have with all of this technical stuff, uh, the Amazon technical marketing, uh, and so much of it is technical, as well as the uh, ability to communicate about these things. Uh, it's definitely something that shines through. And I think as we've been prepping this episode, I think it's, it, it's abundantly clear that um, I think... I don't want to pat ourselves on the back just yet, but I think we're about to have the four best podcast episodes on Amazon SEO uh, that there can be. And what's cool about this is the you know this is an Amazon advertising show, but what we are doing here is we're going to be linking you know the SEO side of it to the PPC side of it uh, periodically as we go through these four packs of episodes. So we're going to be touching on three separate uh, topics to start. 
uh, which is the beginning, you know, best practices when you first get started, almost like what to do before you start your Amazon SEO journey and starting to take Amazon SEO a lot more seriously uh, and how that connects to PPC. Uh, we're going to talk about the middle stage of your Amazon SEO journey, what you do in the late game, uh, as well as after that ongoing PPC and SEO strategies. So these are going to be things for, uh, you know, you've already, you know, left the starting gates of, you know, the, the PPC and SEO world. Now you are sailing later. What are some ongoing things that you should be doing on a regular basis? Uh, you know, I think that's such an interesting thing uh, that not only, hey, we're just getting started. Hey, we've launched. Hey, we're making a little bit better. But now we're years into it how do we continue to improve? So we're covering all these over the next few episodes, and I could not be more excited. So without further ado, let's jump in to our first section. Okay, so before we even get started uh, talking about some of the technical sides of things, uh, we wanted to talk about the link between PPC and SEO. And Stephen, you had a really cool uh, phrase that you mentioned when we were prepping the show. Um, and when you think of PPC and SEO, you know, what is they a phrase that comes up for you? They are yeah, happily yeah. married. They're not like mm. looking for, you know, they're not sleep divorced, guys. They're not sleeping mm. in a different bed. This <laughs> is really important. If you don't have your PPC working with your SEO, you're missing out. Every PPC mm -hmm. sale that you generate, in my opinion, not database, but my opinion, mm -hmm. it generates three SEO sales over time, over six months. Mm -hmm. I love it. So how does that change the way that you think about PPC and SEO? I, I think it really helps people understand that you can't have isolated strategies, right? So mm -hmm. if we were to talk about Amazon's corporate structure, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. You can't get any straight answer out of any department. And if you ask one department what the other department was doing, they wouldn't be able to answer that accurately, truthfully, honestly, right? Mm -hmm. SEO and PPC are the same way. Um, you really do have to have them working towards the same cause. And of course, when we talk about e-commerce, there's four, four general goals that every e-commerce seller has. I want to sell more products to more people more often. And the one that people usually forget for more money. So raise your prices, by the way. So that's what it translates to. Easiest one to do. Um, and so when, when you have a strategy in place for SEO and PPC, they, they really need to be congruent. So a lot of people, when they optimize for Amazon or sales, they treat, like, they treat it like a checklist. Okay, I know that I need to find a product, source a product, get the product, logistically get it here, load the data, merchandise the product, start my PPC. Oh, forgot to set the search term field. Let me go do that real quick mm -hmm. uh, as I'm launching and build out some A plus content. Like that's, that's like a you know, super fast checklist. But in reality, uh, when you're doing your research and you're trying to put all these strategies together, they, they're congruent with each other. Mm -hmm. And that, that piggybacks onto uh, during the last ad con that Amazon hosted, they had this statistic. They said that uh, you know, for a brand new product, if you just had sponsored products and then you added sponsored brands and then you added sponsored display to that. And then you added uh, sponsored brand video. And then you added DSP. And you had all of the ad types running at once. You would hit, uh, I think the number they gave was a uh, baseline number of reviews. I think about 20, uh, like 20 reviews 
about 64% faster if you had all of these ad types running than if you only had sponsored products running. So then if you start thinking this way, you know, when you have a sponsored product, sponsored brand, sponsored display, DSP, and then a good SEO strategy, the same mechanism, you know, Amazon is this all is the story the other. Of, Right. It's the story of positive feedback loops. So the more you do one thing and then you add another thing and another thing and another thing, it all starts swirling together. So I think the the description that you gave of Amazon PPC being so married and you get so much more out of it when you folk, when you have SEO top of mind as you are approaching PPC, uh, great things happen. And the other thing too, to your point, about you know one sale that you get for PPC equals three SEO sales. Um, with that said, it, it almost does not make sense to limit your PPC sales with a hyper low ACoS. Um, so I give this example many many times throughout the week. Uh, you know I ask people, would you rather have you know ten orders with like a ten percent ACoS, or would you rather have? a hundred orders with a 70% ACoS. Uh, and the answer there, you need to go beyond surface level and only look at that. You need to say, how much extra organic revenue will I get if I have more orders uh, through my PPC? You need sales uh, to get sales, yes. guys. That's the weirdest yes. phrase to say out loud, but it's true, right? Like mm -hmm. if you get a hundred sales, you're going to have way better keyword rankings than if you had 10 sales. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. Either. Right. And, it, and, and it's like a trope to say that. It's like, we've got to spend money to make money. <laughs> but on Amazon, Chicken or egg, yep. Right. On Amazon, kickstarting this, I, I, I gave the analogy of uh, it's like a uh, you're starting a gas-powered lawnmower. You need to get out there and you need to pull the string to get the thing going. And a lot of times that comes with getting a little bit more aggressive. That sounds like PC. hard work. I don't know. I, I really want my <laughs> passive income on Amazon. Pulling a string too much for me. Come on. <laughs> right. Um, but I remember... I, I feel like my dad used to laugh because he'd be like, go start the lawnmower. And I was young and I just like couldn't get it going. Um, <laughs> it's like half your energy is used just to get the lawnmower started. Um, yeah. I, I want to go back briefly to why mm -hmm. a PPC sale leads to an organic sale. Because like we're, we're making a, a claim here and people are going to be like, well, mm -hmm. I don't understand why. Well, why is that? Well, it, it's because you're training the algorithm that you are able to convert on that phrase. Mm -hmm. And what people don't understand is like, how many words should I index my listing for? How many words are available? How, how many words should I be focused on? Right? These are SEO strategy questions that directly tie into your advertising strategies. Because if, if you know the answers to those questions, you know which ads to run. You know which keywords to focus on. You know that there's that one or two keywords you're never going to lose ground on because not only is it important for your PPC strategy, but it's also important for your SEO because you get sales organically from the other 1,000 keywords that have similar phrasing, right? Mm -hmm. So like I, I sell a, a, a brand name called Momster and I, and I literally only talk about it or use it to help me as an agency owner at my Amazon guy. And that's, and that's because uh, it's pretty easy to rip off my idea here. Um, I so I'm the number one seller of funny wine glasses on Amazon. Um, so I have a glass on there that's literally ranked number one for that. Mm -hmm. And there are 6,000 keywords it indexes for. Now, if I was going to go do keyword research and look at the, uh, the word cloud of available phrases, I could, I could quickly use any keyword tool, doesn't matter which one you use, uh, and you could look up how many keywords that ASIN ranks for, as well as some similar competitors. 
and, and, and extrapolate that keyword data to figure out here is the pie or pool of options for keywords. And what you're going to find though, is when you look at the word clouds, so there's a lot of repetition. And so when somebody's like, yeah, I need to rank for the phrase funny wine glass. Cause it's got, you know, 20,000, 30,000 search volume or whatever it might be. Well, when you look at the data and you see the word wine glass or the word funny show up another 1000 times, Hmm, maybe there's some other phrases I need to be indexing for and paying attention to. Yeah. So exactly what you said, like letting it fuel fuels it more. Um, so exactly what you said. And, and, you know, in the example where, you know, would you rather have 10 sales at a 10% ACOS or a hundred at uh, 50 or 60% ACOS? Uh, there was a, there's this phrase that I used and I would never say this on a client call. Um, but almost every marketer I know like wants to tell this to people. Uh, and this is a little bit more aggressive phrase than I would normally use, but I saw it written somewhere on the internet. And the phrase was uh, losers chase low ACOS uh, in the sense of, you know, if you wanted to go out and have a 10% ACOS, you could go and do that tomorrow. Uh, you would set your bids super duper low. And subsequently, you would lower your aggressiveness in the ad auction. You wouldn't appear as frequently. Uh, and you'd be paying very, very little for all of your orders, which is great. You get a very low ACOS. Here comes the death spiral. Right. But if you were to compare that with an account that's got their foot on the gas and you're know, getting aggressive with their ACOS and you know tr aiming for more and more orders, then that, you know, if you ask me to bet, you know, who has more organic sales, do, who's doing, you know, the person who's very conservative or the person very aggressive, my bet would be on the person who's very aggressive with their PPC. You're describing the difference between like a million dollar brand or a million per month dollar brand. Mm -hmm. Those, yeah. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. It's true. Uh, all the high powered marketers and company owners and company marketers are thinking in terms of and, and, you know, maybe they don't get aggressive with their entire account all at once, but they're sort of strategically thinking, uh, you know, what are some terms that I need to push for here and there? So this is a, this is an incredible topic that, I mean, honestly, we could spend the entire episode talking about. Um, I'd like to believe that because of conversations like this, people are starting to think of their PPC in these terms a little bit more regularly. Uh, I hear this from people a lot, you know, hey, I'm trying to rank, so I'm bidding on this a lot. Um, but a lot of times, you know, for every one of those conversations I have, I have another conversation where someone's trying to be very, very timid with their PPC. And honestly, it's 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 really tough to do um, because it, it is it does require an investment and you need to be strategic with it. But we're going to go through these next series of episodes on how to increase the uh, surgical precision that you can sort of be aggressive with your PPC uh, as we go through this. So this was the first point that we wanted to make, just talking about the link between PPC and SEO. Uh, and as you know, these, this strategy, uh, you know, one complements the other. Uh, as we sort of go through this, uh, we'll, we'll start to highlight how you can capitalize on this. Any final thoughts about the link between PPC and SEO? The, the keyword tools that you can use for both, um, both opportunities will give you information on both opportunities, right? So like the question is, is how many keywords should you be bidding on versus how many should you be indexing on? Those numbers should be closer together than people think, right? Mm -hmm. So if you rank for 6,900 keywords, you might want to be advertising for 4,200 of them. 
or you, you know, but if, but if you're a listing with a thousand keywords index and you're only advertising on a hundred, well, that's the reason you're not indexing for 2000 is because you're not advertising on half of them. Yes. I love, I love that description and that's fantastic. Uh, let's move on to sort of the next thing that you should know uh, as you get started, uh, which is just a recap of ranking factors. And there's, there's sort of three buckets of ranking factors. And I, I love the way that uh, we've broken it out here in the notes. And I'm going to ask you to expand on, on, on these. There's text-based ranking factors, relevance-based ranking factors, and then of course, course conversion-based ranking factors. So there's sort of three buckets of how Amazon determines what will appear first, second, third, fourth in their organic rankings. Uh, so talk us through text-based ranking factors. So, so what's interesting about this segment is, you know, you and I came up with this going into this, this podcast and we, we spent significant amount of prep time on this, which, which I have to admire just, just how artistic and, and the value that you put in Michael. And so for, for your listeners, they, for the true fans, they probably already know that. But for, for people who are just, maybe this is their first episode, like I'm, I'm telling you guys, Michael puts in tremendous prep into going into these. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I'm really, I have to, thank you for that. And I also have to apologize to you because a few times during prep, I was like, hmm, Stephen, as an artistic choice, I wouldn't really like, I would like to go in this direction instead. <laughs> So that happened quite a bit in, in our prep. <laughs> um, and, and so a lot of mad props and respect for that, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so the reason why I mentioned that here is because I've never actually worded it out on paper like this. And I think, I think nobody else has. So text-based, relevancy-based, conversion-based. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So text-based is the ability to just simply have a reference or referral to the keyword at large. So if you don't have the phrase on your listing, you will not index for it, most likely, unless you have something hyper similar or sensitive or on the back end in the search terms. So you need to have text of your keywords. Now, this, this seems like common sense, but it really is missed more often than you'd think, right? So, so remember, people understand that, hey, I need to put keywords in my listings to rank for them. But what they typically miss is that they need to do it for a thousand plus keywords, right? They're like, I'm gonna focus on these three keywords. Not sufficient. So, so just simply having a lot of text on your listing, focus on your title, your bullets, your description, your A plus content, you name it. Um, and by the way, a lot of people don't put enough text in their A plus content. They put it in the images, which there is alt text behind the images. Those are important. And that's also overlooked. And we'll talk a lot about that during our series. But you, they just simply miss putting the phrases all together. So you gotta have it in text to start. Mm -hmm. The second is relevancy-based factors. So it's cool if you uh, have, have a phrase on your listing, but if I sell funny wine glasses and I'm talking about barrels of beer and I have the phrase barrels of beer on my, my listing, that's not really relevant to selling barrels of beer or whatever, right? And by the way, I don't drink, so I don't even know what I'm talking about when it talks about alcohol. Um, so uh, relevancy-based factors are, are choosing the right keywords to target your audience. That doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna convert on all of them, which is why there's a third bucket, which is conversion-based factors. If you rank in slot one for any term and, and 100 people click on that term and not a single one of them buys, you will be deranked very quickly. Amazon wants to make money and they want us to make them money. And to do that, we gotta convert them. And so uh, by having a conversion-based relevancy factor, you will accelerate your keyword rankings. Whatever listings Amazon makes the most money on, you better believe it, they're gonna put it at the top of search results. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not so much as doing, you know, 
this this gets mentioned, but like obviously a great high converting product makes everything you do on Amazon way, way, way easier. You know, it, it's sort it, it's sort of table stakes. But you know, you do bump into situations where, hey, I picked all the right keywords, I put them in all the right spot. And then that last bucket, the conversion-based factors just aren't there. Uh, it could be bad product market fit. It could be a whole bunch of different things. But I, I sometimes think of it, Amazon's trying to minimize the time that it takes from someone going to Amazon.com or opening the app until they check out. Uh, the faster they can do that, the better, which means, you know, if your product, you know, people are leaving it and then going somewhere else and buying that other product, then they're Amazon's probably just going to say, hey, why don't we just skip a step and put the other product here? You know, they're going to be boosting those conversion-based factors. So the ability for a product to be relevant and convert well is paramount here. Um, so all of the good, you know, part of it, part of the conversion-based factors is, you know, being a little strategic about how you are displaying your product, right? It's, you know, making sure you have good descriptive everything, you know, that the images all make sense, uh, that you have a video if you can, just like all, taking advantage of these things, letting people know, uh, you know, who the product is for, how to buy it, you know, what it is, uh, will it solve their problem or not? Like those are sort of like soft conversion influencers that can boost conversion rate. Um, and it's important to think of that too in the conversation of SEO as we sort of bucket out the text-based, relevance-based, and conversion-based factors uh, of the total ranking factors here. So, so here's an interesting use case. So I have a mm -hmm. client who sells pet supplements. Mm -hmm. By the way, supplements is the hardest category on Amazon. So if you're a new Ooh, seller yeah. and you haven't picked your product, don't pick supplements first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, and definitely be prepared for super high ACOS. Yes. Um, high yeah. margin business. There's a there's a larger payout there, but hyper competitive, and you got to get certificates certificates of analysis or COAs, even to list an item these days. Getting difficult in supplements world. Anyway, so this listing got yanked, uh, and before the yank, their SEO was very strong, and they had um, very uh, high rankings on a specific keyword that they really thought was important. So we get them un, um, unyanked, we reinstate their listing. Um, and, and by the way, at my Amazon guy, uh, we're, we're a full service agency. So not only do we deal with SEO, we deal with everything. And, and the reason I think that's contextual here is because uh, we deal with listing yanks on a daily basis. So we know what, what to do to get this back up. And we knew that when a listing goes down, reinstatements will lead to poor SEO following the reinstatement. You have to do some things to reinvigorate or recharge it. Well, we spent $500 on PPC on one keyword and had 200, 250 ACOS with very low conversions. And so we had to have a, a frank conversation because part of, part of getting the SEO back up was to put hyper aggressive PPC and spend lots and lots of money. And, uh, and we did this in like the, the shortest time part, like a, a weekend. We simply weren't converting on this word that was 15, 20,000 search volume. We used to be rank one for, and we're not even indexing for it at the moment. Mm. And we put in the PPC and, and, and it was basically a wash or a waste didn't work. And so, uh, people need to realize that SEO can have crises. It can go through, um, yanks or problems that cause listings to just disappear and you have to reset and do everything over again. So as we talk about conversion elements, I'm not 100% clear how they were ranked as high as they were when we mm -hmm. go back 
um, you know, pre pre yank and then post yank, we couldn't get them to re index and rank for it because it wasn't converting. That's why conversion based factors matter. No doubt about it. So now that we've covered the the linking between PPC and SEO and, and how they really work together, um, and then we touched on the ranking factors. What I think would make sense now is just sort of how to start. Uh, you know, there could be newer sellers that listen to this. There could be uh, a PPC contractor that's listening to this that doesn't, you know, necessarily know like hey like what if someone does ask me about seo uh and there also could be people that maybe launched their products uh without necessarily the best practices installed so how does one begin to think about a product uh and let's assume that this person already has their product they've already you know either done the product research or they're already a brand they have their product so they're not finding a niche or anything like that they really just want to know, like, okay, they crack their knuckles, they're at the computer, uh, they've never formally gone through some kind of SEO refinement process to get started. Tell us about the first thing that they should be thinking of. Like, what, what category of things do they need to be looking at first? So, like, direct where we should be looking right now. The search term field and the title are the two most important keyword rankings things you need to start with. And when we open up an account... Uh, the search term field is the most misrepresented, underperformed, underutilized field when it comes to strategy on search engine optimization. Tell me about that. Like, what are what are people doing wrong about the search term field? Well, uh, for some, they're leaving it blank. For others, they're filling in 100 characters, but not the full 250. And for others, they are putting in commas. They're duplicating the words. They're not maximizing it using a using a professional keyword tool of your choice to maximize those fields. And and by the way, we're going to uh, we've got a PDF built with a full 15 page guide SOP on setting up your SEO. And we'll put that in the show notes if that's all right with you, Michael, um, mm-hmm. that people can download and follow step by step with visuals. Go here, then do this. I made it idiot proof. So if you don't feel technical, I assure you, you can follow this guide. It's, it's idiot proof promise. But, but to answer, uh, this, this shortly, there's two, 200- by the way, I, I, I saw the PDF. It's great. And I probably want to ask you to do like a quick, uh, 10 minute video, uh, of it on it at some other point in the future. Cause I thought it was really good. I will be happy to do that. Um, and we, we give that guide away for free because we think that just by simply talking about the best practices, uh, we can help the community and, and, and offer value. And at some point in time, maybe it'll come back and help us out. And I think it does. And I think that's just kind of the best way to do business. So that's kind of on brand for us. We share all of our trade secrets rather openly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this search term field, let's talk in detail about that. You need to make sure that you're using a tool to figure out what to what keywords to put into there. You cannot just simply go into Seller Central and just start you know, brain dumping into that field. That is not how to do SEO work. You need to use a tool. And so there are various tools out there. My, my, I won't go into hyper specific on how I use this tool, but I, but I will say I, I use Helium 10 and we use Cerebro and Frankenstein. Multiple tools out there can do the same thing. You collect three to five competitors that you are paying attention to. You put their ASIN into the tool and you click a button and then it spits out all of the relevant keywords. So then you then you got a, a pool to pull from. When you pull uh, from the pool of keywords, 
you can then figure out which ones to focus on. So you have a strategy in mind that you can go, go articulate. What you're going to notice from the data is that there are keywords that are repeated. And the number one mistake that people make is they repeat the keyword in their search term field. So if I'm selling funny wine glasses, I do not need to use the word glass a second time at all. It should be a run-on sentence, 250 characters, no commas, and a, it's a word vomit. This is behind the scenes, not public facing. That's why this is appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the field should have extrapolation for how, uh, how many different phrases they iterate, they permutate to use a technical term. Every phrase in that 250 characters will combine with every other phrase in the series. That's how you maximize for the most potential indexing of thousands of keywords. And that's why it's fundamentally misunderstood because people are like, oh, I put in a, a keyword, put a comma, put the next keyword comma. No, do not do that. That's, that's, mm -hmm. uh, th this is a best practice that's been well known for well over five years and it's still not done correctly. I want to go, I want to unpack because that was a lot of in, a lot of good info. I want to unpack that a little bit. So essentially, the backend search term field, that part, and I have seen this blank as well too. So people, some people still do leave this blank. But you know, there's the <clears throat> mechanical act. There's the mechanical tips of that backside where you know not to waste space on keywords. Be sure to use all the characters and all those all those good things. The the when you first launched the funny wine glass and you basically go and you find competitors that are selling similar products, related products, you punch them in into some kind of reverse ASIN tool. What that reverse ASIN tool does is it'll display the words that the competitors are ranking for. And then how do you, like what are the qualities of the words that you're going to select to go in, into the back end. So, you know, I think it's, I think I, you know, I'm familiar with uh, a lot of these tools and how they work, but I think when, one thing that I always love is like understanding like why the tool is doing the thing that it's doing. So tell me, let's, let's tie that back into the yeah. ranking factors, text based, relevancy based, conversion based factors. Mm -hmm. Any good keyword tool is going to take those factors and spit out the best potential 250 characters to put back into your uh, back end. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you use a, a, a reverse ASIN search tool to see the keywords that are organically ranked based on their ranking factors as well as the impression mm -hmm. counts, and then combining all of these factors together, it spits out word vomit. And then yeah. you take that word vomit and take the art and the science and meld it together. Right. So when when you click on the tool to say, oh, well, I see the word. Um, so so to use a real world example, this is my I'm not drinking alone. I'm social distancing. Number one, funny wine glass on Amazon. There are six thousand nine hundred and fourteen keywords. This index is for the word wine shows up forty two hundred times. The word glass shows up twenty one hundred times of those sixty nine hundred um, iterations of the phrase. So I know that the word wine and glass are the two most important keywords out of the list of potential indexings. Mm -hmm. And, and as you go through the list, you're going to, you're going to see some additional information come out of it. I know that the word glasses and gifts and birthday and women and, and stemless and husband and best and tumbler, those are all keywords that are part of the top 
words that should be put into the back end of a search term for a funny wine glass on Amazon. And by, by using a tool like this, you will then see the word cloud and the word vomit to be able to see, like, I know that these are most important, so I should make room in my keyword search terms for these phrases. There are some additional hacks I'll throw out here. And, and so like, I always like to throw these hacks out as like, what's something I can do in five minutes today to increase my sales on Amazon? Well, do you have Spanish in your keywords? Most likely you do not. And Spanish is the fastest growing keyword segment on Amazon. Go translate your best five keywords into Spanish and throw them into the back end. Mm. I guarantee you, most people are not doing this. So what does that mean? Well, if there's a thousand search volume for the word wine glass in Spanish or the word funny wine glass in Spanish, I'm going to rank for it and you're not. And then I'm going to generate Spanish sales. And that's a huge segment lift. That's going to be percentage points on your bottom line. So that's, that's one that's hack. One. Mm -hmm. Second hack I'll give you, misspellings. Mm -hmm. What is the number one, number two, number three misspelled word that's entered into the data. And the reason you can find this is because any reverse ASIN tool will literally tell you the search volumes for those misspellings. And so as you look at the misspellings, you're able to determine, oh, somebody mistypes these two letters backwards interchangeably. So if you don't have Spanish or misspellings in the back end of your keywords, you have an easy five minute task today to go improve your keyword traffic. Boom. Would you say that anyone who's doing SEO without you know any of these SEO tools uh, is is missing out a lot because of the because otherwise there'd be no way to analyze you know the relevance and the potential conversion based factors. Uh, if you like think you're smarter than predictor. a computer, go yeah. it alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Nobody is. Right. Like <laughs> nobody right. is. I mean, go, going back to my chess uh, background. Uh, when they came out with Deep Blue and then the computers were beating the best mm -hmm. grandmasters, well, guess what? Computers have not lost to them since. Mm -hmm. It's because they can extrapolate the variables, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in looking at my, my real-world example with 6,900 um, index keywords, for me to try and do that alone, I would have missed the mm -hmm. top misspellings. I would have missed the Spanish. And I would have yeah. missed uh, 20,000 characters mm -hmm. of potential uh, use to go into 250 characters, right? So like mm -hmm. the science behind using data crunching can take giant word vomit character dumps of 20,000 characters to help you figure out what are the most valuable 250 characters, a very small mm -hmm. punch of that uh, to put into the back end. So it helps you focus. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think the thing here isn't so much you know, you have to use a tool. The thing is you have to think this way. Like you have to like know that in a lot of ways, like you can't do good SEO without using a tool, period. Like there's no way that you're going to be able to do some kind of reverse ASIN lookup, you know, for uh, a product without using some kind of SEO tool. So, you know, for me, when I first got started uh, almost a decade ago, you know, some of the things that I, I loved the tools. I, I'm a tool junkie. Uh, I'm constantly signing up for things, taking a look under the hood, seeing what's out there. And I will often go to Google SEO and Google ads as well and Facebook ads and organic Facebook type stuff too, because I love just seeing, uh, honestly, a lot of times tools change the way that I think about doing the strategy in the first place. So you know, without a reverse ASIN tool, doing SEO on Amazon would be completely different, probably. Uh, but the fact that these tools do exist, they can help inform 
you know, they can do things that we just can't do. So I really am, am, you know, the best Amazon marketers that I know aren't necessarily someone who is a, like a brand marketer at a fortune 500 company. It can be the person who's just the scrappiest person. These tools are not expensive, you know, a hundred, 200 bucks a month. And you know, you scan that data, you, you sift through it, you sort it. It's almost like you're mining for gold. And it's like the people that are almost like playing Moneyball uh, on Good Amazon movie. are s- some of the most successful Amazon marketers that I know. Geeks, nerds. Quants. Yes. Uh, and, that, and that's the yeah. phrase from Moneyball, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got my Quant in the room, you know, and, yeah. and we need to get people <laughs> on base. Well, let me let me impact this a little bit further. Right. So like if if you think about it, Amazon's taking control of your consumer relations. You can't talk to your customers mm-hmm. anymore. So, so data points that you as a brand could previously gather organically, you don't have access to anymore. So like compare that to Etsy where you have a customer service mess typically. Where's my item? Hey, can I customize this? Oh my gosh, a lot of work, right? Well, mm-hmm. I sell on Etsy as well. And, and, and my funny wine glasses benefit tremendously from selling on Etsy. Not because I sell more to more people more often on a new marketplace, but because they communicate with me, right? So like in the absence of a tool, speaking with your customer would be the next best thing. Mm-hmm. So I started one of my, my second most popular wine glass is Mama Shark, do, 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 got a drink, right? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I created 10 additional variations of this product from communications with people on Etsy because they're like, hey, can you customize this and say grandma? And I'm like, sure, I got grandma. Okay, that one's, that one's obvious. That one's easy. What I didn't see coming, though, was the other four iterations of the word grandma. Nana, mm-hmm. nanny, and mm-hmm. uh, Spanish for grandma, and, and, and everything yeah. else. And so I, I created these additional variations that came from it. So if you can't speak to your customer, then you better speak to the algorithm is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to articulate. Yeah. So that's awesome. So definitely understand the search and field sort of step one, ground zero. Uh, And you also mentioned the title too. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about, you know, writing good titles that speak to people that people want to click on that also appease uh, some of these relevance-based factors? Put five words in your title with a hyphen that follows it to set your Google organic canical um, URL. This will help you with external SEO ranking factors going into Amazon. There's your hack three for the podcast mm-hmm. today. Uh, following that, you need 200 characters in your title or as close to it as you can. Now, some categories are now minimizing that down to as little as 50 characters. So each category has its own independent rules right now. Until Amazon tells you you can't have a long title, have a long title. The data is conclusive that having a longer title helps your organic rankings and does not hurt your conversion as much as people think it does. Um, It does take a minor impact, but in my opinion, it's easier to double your traffic than to double your conversion rate. Focus on traffic generation until you are capped out on traffic. Once you tap Mm -hmm. out on traffic, you can pivot back over to conversion and get a little bit more hypersensitive and run run your tests. Run your A-B tests on titles, by the way. Um, You can now do that. It's actually in a weird section, though. It's in the A-plus section. So a lot of people don't know you can A-B test titles, and you can do so through the A-plus module. And it's not through A-plus content. It's just that's where you run the test for titles. You have to have a um, high-velocity listing to do so. I have tested pulling out a single word out of a title and have seen one or 2% conversion lists totally worth testing out your titles. Um, So the question is, is how much of a run on sentence can you convert your title with and still have keywords in it? 
And quite frankly, you need to test. You need to test this thing. Um, so when in doubt, when you're first starting out, go see what your competitors do. Extrapolate the word cloud. Build the title based on what's working for everybody else. Then add your secret sauce in, your one little conversion element that nobody else has. Throw that all together in a title. Make it make sense. And then see how the sales come in. What's a good example of, you know, because it's, it's relatively easy to go and look at the competitors and see what kinds of words that they have. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how to make it like the conversion secret sauce. So one, one thing that's interesting is that there's not a lot of good data to know like which keywords you're actually converting on, right? PPC right. is probably the best and easiest way to understand that. But because there's thousands of keyword iterations, it's impossible to know at every keyword level like how you're ranking and how not only how you're ranking, but how are you converting um, and to follow that in real time. So what I would say is your title needs to have your base highest volume potential keywords in it at bare minimum. So uh, make sure that you have that. The, the more popular your listing gets, the more sales that you get behind it, the simplified title can start to take hold. Like you can simplify your title at a later stage. Um, and that's, you know, as we talk about our series that we're going to be doing here, you know, today is kind of like beginning and like what we're doing mm -hmm. when, from when we're getting started or how do I make sure I make sure my old listings have the current best practices in place. We're going to talk later about the middle game and the late game. We're going to talk about the pink word update. We're going to talk about the strike zone and focusing on keywords in ranks 20 through 50. A lot of good things that we're going to cover. But when you're first starting out to make sure your title is in place, go long, be inclusive, and have lots of juicy keywords in there that you know or you believe are relevant and textualized with high impression counts to your product offering. What are your thoughts on brand name in a product title for an unknown brand? Required. Let's say someone, okay. Yeah, now not everybody follows it, but, but mm -hmm. Amazon title guidelines, brand name followed by product name followed by variations and information. You're, you're better off following the guide now for what Amazon requires than to try and have to be told, hey, your listing's suppressed and we're not going to tell you and then have to update your title later. So there's a difference between proactive measures and reactive measures as it, call, as it relates to following transparent and untransparent often rules that Amazon gives you. This is a transparent rule you should follow. Make sure that your title has the brand name in it. Now, uh, not everybody follows this and some people put their brand name, not at the front because it's not as relevant, but, mm -hmm. uh, you, you should, when in doubt, follow that rule. There are some categories that you can get away with things and some categories you can't. So the more complicated your category, tech, beauty, grocery, and consumables or be, or, or anything topical, um, for health, those categories are strict, cannot do things that you can do in other categories. Take a wine glass or a home goods category. All bets are off. You can pretty much get away with anything in those categories when it comes to titles. So I think that's it uh, in, for this episode, you know, covering this multi-part series about SEO. Um, we hopefully drove home the points of the importance of thinking about SEO as you think about PPC and starting to think about using PPC as a tool to boost SEO. Uh, we have also talked about some basics on the ranking factors and basics about how to think about using tools to do the first sort of baby steps of populating that search term field and writing a great SEO worthy title. Um, 
Next week, we're going to be jumping into some of the you know, next steps on how to go from sort of good to great here. Uh, so I'm super stoked to have you, Stephen. Uh, Love some of the tips that you shared today. Um, I always learn a little bit anytime we have someone on the show uh, talking about anything other than PBC. So I know that our listeners probably did too. Uh, so I really appreciate it, Stephen. Um, and you'll be back next week. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Add Badger Nation. You guys rock. Yes, and we will see you next time here in the Badger Day.